You know, I was just thinking this morning and yesterday of all the things we've got going on here at Bethel, as far as the youth is concerned especially. Uh, Devo tonight, birthday thing this weekend. Then we got CYC. Then next month we have retreat. Then next month we've got a Friday night singing. And that's on top of the third Sunday singings and all those things that we've got to do. If you don't get excited about those things, there's something wrong with you. If you don't get excited about going and being with people that have like faith, of young, especially the young people, if you don't get excited to hear them talk about CYC, there's something wrong with you. If you don't get excited about the adults talking about CYC, because I, I love it. Hopefully this year we'll actually get to go for the whole thing. Maybe it won't flood us out. And poor old Tina had to spend so long by herself, she couldn't make it back across the river. And uh, I bless her heart, where'd you end up? IHOP or somewhere like that? Boy, that's, uh, let, let, do what? Yeah, I, I bet, I bet it was. It wasn't a mile you can eat pancake specials, was it? Because that might not have been too bad. <laughs> you know, uh, things like that, it, it, it just gets you excited. Opportunities that we have to go and to learn and to study and to gain all we can from God's Word. That's, that's in essence what we're doing right now. Is we come to a place on, on Sunday morning, Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and the occasional gospel meeting or vacation Bible school to learn about God's Word. The reason we do that is so that we as Christians can go out into the world as we are commissioned to do in Mark 16, where it tells us to go into all the world. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, He said to them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Who's He talking to there? Well, obviously, in, in, the, in the moment, He's talking to the disciples. But who's He talking to there? Me and you. Those of us who have put on Christ in baptism, according to Galatians 3 and verse 27, we put on Christ in baptism, we start to walk that walk with Christ and walk in the lights, He is in the light, have fellowship one with another. He's talking to us as Christians. Go you, go me, into all the world. And we look at opportunities like this to prepare us to go out into the world. Talking the other day with a young man uh, about mission work and things like that, and, and he and I, we, you know, we have went on a couple mission trips here uh, with the young people to Arizona and then to Mariana, Florida, uh, and places like that. And we're looking for opportunities to do more of those things, do more VBSs, to do more mission works um, like that. But what sometimes we fail to realize is the mission field begins at our front door. The mission field begins right here. We don't have to go to Arizona to talk to somebody about the gospel. We don't have to go to Mariana, Florida. We don't have to go to... And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things. 
Benjamin and, and, and you guys and TA have been to El Salvador. There's nothing wrong with going to those places. But what about right here? Think about for a second. Are there people that you know, people that you know that may be friends or family, people that you know need the gospel, have you talked to them about those things? Have you went out and tried to evangelize as a Christian your own community? Well, I can't do that. Why not? Well, I don't have the, the ability to do that. Why not? If you don't do it, who's going to do it? Well, I can't do those things. Why not? You see, you ask questions like that because in, in times where it, we're called to go into all the world, that's not just limited to this situation right here. You see, this is, this is not uh, in context in a, a worship service. In context here, it's, it's a life that you are choosing to be of Christ and to teach others. And if you made the decision to become a Christian, then you had the responsibility, brace yourself, to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to tell others what you did to become a Christian. And there's nothing, there's nothing that, that gets under my skin. And I'm not saying that to be really negative, but there's nothing that gets under my skin more. It's when I hear a fellow Christian tell me, I don't know enough. You don't know enough of what? What do you, you got to have a degree in Bible to tell somebody about the gospel? Well, I don't have a degree in Bible. But I can tell you what I did to become a Christian. And if you've become a Christian and you can't tell someone else why you did that, we've got a problem with that. There's no reason for you not to be able to at least share that message, that, that act that you did to become a Christian, to tell them of the sacrifice of Jesus. There's no reason why you can't no, at least that much. So, I'm sorry. I don't know enough. It don't hold water with me. It don't work. Now, you may say that. Now, Bradley, you're being too hard here. You're being a little bit too judgmental here. You can't, you can't expect us all to be preachers. Well, I guess I can't. But I can't expect you to tell others. You don't have to get in the pulpit to talk about the gospel. Everybody in here, the vast majority of people in here, probably have a cell phone. Now, whether or not you know how to work it is debatable. But I guarantee you, the vast majority of the people in here know how to send a text message. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I guarantee you the vast majority know how, at least by this point in 2020, how to send a text message. Now, I would be willing to say that there is probably somebody in your contact list 
That as I mentioned a second ago, that you know of that's not a Christian and needs the gospel. If you can text somebody a grocery list, the score of the ball game, if you can text somebody a happy birthday, then you can tell that person on your contact list about the gospel. There's no excuse. There's no reason why you can't do that. I guarantee you the vast majority of us, maybe a little less of a percentage, have a social media account. I see you guys on social media. I see your likes. I see your shares. I see your comments. A lot of you. Now chances are you probably have people on your friends list, whether it be Facebook, whether it be followers on Instagram. That's more like teenagers. but Or whatever it is, you've probably got somebody that's not a Christian. Now friends, if you can share the, 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 your love for Tennessee Vols, or Alabama, or whoever. If you can share those things, why can't you share the gospel in that avenue? No excuse. No excuse. You know, there are people who look at evangelism and sharing the gospel and, and, and teaching and doing those things Find every excuse in the world not to do it. I want to share with you three, three big ones tonight. And we're going to be in the book of Acts for every one of them. And I want to show you, at least something you've never, you've, you've already heard it, so it's not something you've never been approached with or never read, but I'm going to remind you of when it's important to share the gospel. First and foremost, it's important to share the gospel even in times of trouble. In Acts 16, verses 22 through 34, we read of a, a, pretty, a pretty rough time for Paul and Silas. And it always kind of hits me, their, their attitude and how they handled being arrested and how they handled being beaten and cast into prison. Why? For preaching. For preaching. Now isn't that something? We have freedoms in this country that we can profess our faith. It's not sometimes well received by everyone, but at least we have the freedom to share our faith wherever we are without fear of being thrown into prison over it. It was different here. The multitude rose up together against them. Magistrates rent their clothes... Command them to, commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast him into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. 
Now we talk about the conversion of the jailer. We talk about how he and his whole household were saved. How that he took Paul and Silas out after the earthquake and washed their stripes and they taught him and he became a Christian. We understand that. I'm not talking about that. But in verse 24, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in stocks. Now you would think Paul and Silas would kind of be a little aggravated, to say the least. All I've done is preach the gospel, and here I am, thrown into the prison. Not just the prison, but the inner prison. I wonder if it was real dark in the inner prison. You ever think about those things? It wasn't like our fancy jails that we have today, if you can call a jail fancy. But I bet you they didn't have beds to lay on and pillows to sleep on and covers to pull up over them. I bet you they didn't have, they didn't have a, a nice clean floor to walk on. I just bet they didn't. Things were a lot different back then. And not only that, but they put them in stocks. Now you can't move nowhere. You're stuck in the inner prison, probably dark, damp, Bugs and wet and mud and muck and no telling what. Probably heaven knows what was thrown into it before you got there. You fasted in stocks, you just got to sit in it. Most people would be a little aggravated. Most people would be a little bothered by that. Most people would be a little down and out and say they're... There's no reason for me to do anything Christian-like in here because look where I'm at. This is the bottom of the barrel. Verse 25, At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard it. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me in the time of trouble that you were in, in dire circumstances that you were facing, Paul and Silas, you mean to tell me in that moment you used that opportunity with your feet fast in stocks to pray and sing praises to God? What's your excuse? What have you done in times of trouble? Praise God for it? Or did about the opposite? Times of trouble arise and we can't avoid those things. But even in those times of trouble, friends, we can share the gospel of Christ. And in those moments of trial when people are are seeming watching us and, and the world is crumbling around us and we're in a place where we, we probably should never have been. Sometimes not by choice, we just, bad things just happen around us. People watch. Do we hang our head, do we give up on God, or do we use that moment to praise Him, to pray to Him, 
and to glorify Him for what He's done for us. What's your excuse for that? You don't know enough. Well, I don't buy that. Not even on sale. And I wouldn't take it for free either. Times of trouble. Well, I can't share the gospel because in this moment, because I'm just, it's just hard right now. Paul and Silas showed us that we can, even in those moments. What about when we're in the minority? Now, the Bible tells us about the straight gate leads to life, and few there be that find it. Newsflash, we're in the minority. If you didn't know that already. Those of us who are faithful to God, who are living after His will, or are following the New Testament pattern, according to statistics, we're in the minority. According to God's Word, we're in the minority. But, what about when we get down to a personal level, and you might be the only Christian in your group of friends, or with your colleagues at work? Now, some of you may be blessed to work around faithful Christians. That's great. Amen and amen. That's awesome. The vast majority of us, though, are thrown into places with people who either don't believe or believe and don't practice New Testament Christianity. Or those who practice error. They're all in the same group. Wrong is wrong. And I say that not to be spiteful or mean, but that's just the way life is. And you're in the minority. Someone is saying things or doing things they ought not do. Is that a time to preach the gospel? To stand on the truth? To, to be an example to those around us? Well, some would say, not the time, not the place. And man... If I stand up and say something now, they're going to flog me. They're going to throw me out of here. I'm scared to stand against the majority. I wonder how Paul felt in Acts 17 when he stood on Mars Hill in the education center of the world at the time and call them ignorant not being mean but just the fact they were ignorantly worshipping idols ye men of Athens I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious verse 22 for I passed by and beheld your devotions I found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God whom therefore you ignorantly worship him I declare unto you. Now I used the example one time with our teens. And I asked, Hunter, was it you that I asked if you got the opportunity to stand at the 50-yard line in Neyland Stadium with the, the whole stadium full of non-believers? And you're given a microphone. Yeah, you remember that. You're given a microphone and you have a chance to tell a hundred and... Seven plus thousand people 
But not just that, they're out on the sidewalks, out of the stadium. So you're, you're looking at a neighborhood of 200,000 people that you have the ability to proclaim the gospel and they give you 30 seconds to say something. But there's people behind you mocking you and telling everyone else that you're lying because they know more than you do. They're telling everyone you have no idea, you have no clue. That's what the world's telling people about Christianity. Wasting our time, right? We're just going through the motions here. We, we, we're just, it just makes us feel better about certain things. So we, we worship God, we come to church, and just to make ourselves feel better about life. Really? That's what the world is trying to tell everyone else. Why are you here? I hope it's to prepare yourself to go out into the world. In those times of being in the minority, that we have trained ourselves, our spirits, our minds, to stand up in those moments. When the world around you is laughing and scoffing, making light of everything, you are the one who had the responsibility and the opportunity to be the voice of God. Do you do that? Paul certainly didn't let being in the minority cause him to keep from acting on what he knew he had to do. There have been times, as many of you probably have been in the same situation as I've been there. It's hard. Especially around friends. Especially around people you love and care about. Especially around family. That's around co-workers. <laughs> I told y'all the story not that long ago. Working with a lady up the road at the pharmacy, and she had been there two days. Religion come up. And I'm over there, and I'm on the computer, and I'm just typing prescriptions in, minding my own business. And she looks at one of the other texts, and she says, And what about them Church of Christ people? I was typing and I just stopped. And I spun around in the chair. And I listened. And I was like, well, I know where this is going. Let's just let her go ahead and get her own foot in the trap. And then I'll get it out for her. Have one of those moments. And when she started talking about it, everybody kind of looked over at me like, oh my. Does she not know? She didn't. And it was glorious because she kept on talking. And then finally she looked at me and I'm sitting there just smiling. And she said, are you Church of Christ? And I said, well, I'm going to answer that question like this. I am a member of the Lord's Church. And I attend the Bethel Church of Christ. Oh, yeah. That's... You might not want to swallow this crow, but you're going to because it's hot. So I started talking to her about the things she had brought up and showed her why it wasn't correct. And she said, nobody in the Church of Christ has ever talked to me like that. It wasn't bad. It was nice. She said, most of them just tell me I'm going to the wrong direction and leave it at that. 
Well, whoever you talk to didn't do their job as a Christian. She came away with a different point of view, at least, at least in regards to Bethel. I don't know about the whole body of Christ, but she thought different about us anyhow. You see, only Christians at work. A lot of people come in there, hear our conversations. I'm in the minority there. And uh, just to tell you how, how hard it was to talk to this person, she heard angels out of a speaker in Honduras. I'll leave it at that. She's one of those. Really hard-nosed religious person, but just couldn't get it. Couldn't comprehend what I was trying to tell her. Even in the minority, do we stand up? Or do we just let people say whatever they want to say, do whatever they want to do, and not stand up for the church? What's your position? On that, Paul used his opportunity to preach the gospel at the education center of the world, call them ignorant in their worship to the unknown gods and the idols. You can imagine it wasn't very well received. Preach the gospel, even when you're the minority. What about when it's not popular? Kind of goes with the last one. Do you realize when you take a stand and do right, the vast majority is going to have a problem with it? Unless you're at church. Unless you're at a religious function. When you stand for anything right, people have a problem with it. It don't matter if it's at work or whatever. You know, I didn't want to bring this up, but I'm going to. I'm not using this as a platform, but I'm going to share something with you. I don't... It don't really bother me which side of the political spectrum you are on. But if you're an R, a D, if you're red, if you're blue, if you're green, purple, yellow, I don't care what color you identify with, if you're right about something, you're right about it. And if you're wrong, you're wrong. Period. There is no if, ands, or buts. I'm talking about in accordance with God's will, God's word. And there are people, if you identify with one or the other, that say, well, if you're with this group, you've got to believe this is okay. No, I don't. Well, if you're over here on this side, you have to believe that's okay. No, I don't. That's why I tell people, first and foremost, I am a Christian. 
And if what someone stands on or does is wrong, not to have to be politics, anything, life in general, if it's wrong, I'm not supporting it. I don't care what party they are. And if it's right, keep doing it. That might not sit well with some of you, and I'm sorry if that doesn't, but friends... I'm tired of of being divided on who we support. I'm tired of being divided by something like that, by, by issues pertaining to our government. We look at these men and women to lead. Some of them are not fit to be where they are. And we look to them to do what's best for us. God is still God. Have we forgot that? His will is what supersedes those things. And if you're one of those people that just blindly follow the mass, whether it be politically, whether it be politically correct issues, whatever it is, I'm asking you to wake up. A lot of things going on. They're not godly. And I'll be honest with you. I don't support it. At all. And I will tell anybody that issue by issue. You've got a question, I'll answer it. Godly. Godly living is what's important to me. And if that conflicts with somebody's lifestyle, I'm sorry. I can't support you. I won't. Not going to happen. And I'm not going to be forced to do it either. And I mentioned politics for a reason because it's a hot issue right now. But what about uh, with our friends, our co workers? Go back to that point. The majority of who you are around, what they support, what they endorse, the world tells us it's okay. For people to choose who they want to marry. The world tells us it's okay for women to abort a baby. The world tells us it's okay to use foul language. Especially when you're mad because that really drives the point home. The world tells us it's okay to step on people on our way to the top because... We're worried about ourselves, not anybody else. That's the popular belief in the world today. Where do you stand with that? Because if you support things that are sinful, bear with me here and don't throw anything at me. But if you support things that are sinful, you're not supporting God. I'm sorry to be that blunt with you. But the popular thing in the world is not always right. And sadly, what's right is not always popular. In times that we have, as Paul, and I'm about to wind up here, Verses 23, or chapter 23, on through 26, I believe it is. 
in the book of Acts. Because he preached, and because he did things that God would have him to do, he was brought and accused before Felix, Festus, Agrippa, and then was shipwrecked and got free. Arrested and brought to trial for preaching and doing God's will. Wasn't popular. What did he do? Kept right on doing it. What's your response to things that are popular and it's wrong? Do you use that as an opportunity to show the world around you, hey, this is why this can't be happening? This is why this is not acceptable. We as a society have opened up our arms and embraced error. Thankfully, not here in the church. But there are religious organizations that have openly embraced error under the heading of being politically correct and loving your fellow man. I love my fellow man, but I'm not going to lie to them and tell them some things they're doing is okay. Because I love them is why I'm going to tell them the truth in God's Word and show them you don't have to decide to live that way. When's a good time to preach the gospel? We're told to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. If you're a Christian and you're not doing that, if I'm a Christian and I'm not doing that, then I'm not doing what God would have me to do. Don't know enough? Don't believe that. In times of trouble, Paul did it. In times when he were a minority, Paul did it. You mean in times of when things that we say is not going to be well received, not going to be popular? Paul did it. Even Jesus did the exact same thing. And he hung on a cross for it too. Are you willing to go that far if you had to? I can remember Willie sitting back there and Monica and some others that were there during the, uh, the times I was working a little bit with the Dolls congregation. During those years, there was a house resolution that came to the floor. I can't remember the number, but it came to the floor that speaking from the pulpit against homosexuality is viewed as a hate crime. It never passed the house, thankfully. But I can remember bringing that up. And Robert Turner asked me, he said, what would you do? This was after the service. He said, what would you do if there were people from the federal government back there and you just happened to be preaching on homosexuality and they passed that law. 
what would you do? I looked at Robert and I said, I hope they got a big pair of handcuffs because I can't get them closer than that right there and be comfortable. Would you go that far? Because if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't go that far to stand for the truth, something wrong somewhere. We've missed it somewhere. Tonight, if you're not a Christian, I realize you may be looking at this, this lesson and say, well, <laughs> he ain't talking to me. I've never put on Christ in baptism. I'm not a Christian. I'm not walking that walk. I'm not doing what God would have you to do. Well, the lesson before this one was for that. I'm talking to people who are Christians, like me and like you, if you're in that group, who are shirking our duties as a follower of Christ. If you're not a Christian, you have an opportunity this hour to become one. By rendering obedience to the gospel, going into the waters of baptism, let the blood of Christ touch you and wash away your sins, where you rise to walk in newness of life. And then, the going to all the world applies to you. If you're a Christian tonight, and you've looked for excuses not to share the gospel, and failed to do so in many, many chances that you've had. You can get prayers for that. Be forgiven of those things. And if you've strayed away from the gospel, you can come forward tonight, ask for the prayers of those that are faithful, and be restored. If you're in that number, in whichever case you are in, we beg, plead, and pray you'll make it known while we stand and while we sing.